0: So last week we heard uh, from Chris, we heard about Jesus being baptised by John the Baptist, baptised in the Jordan. And he comes up out of the Jordan and the Holy Spirit comes and the word of God, we hear voice of God saying, my, this is my son with whom I'm well pleased. It's this amazing moment, it's a moment Jesus is confirmed as this, the son of God. And it's just the moment, the style of the ministry. So, so what's going to happen next? Where's Jesus going to go? It's an amazing moment for us. Because it's a point where we realise we're invited into that same place. We're invited to become a child of God through Jesus. But so what's Jesus going to do? So with that moment, they're going to see, he says, my son with whom I am well pleased. And so we we'll Let's see what's happened. So we're going to carry on in the text. And it says... Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the gardener. The wilderness. Jesus comes into the wilderness. There's nothing here what's Jesus doing here? He's just been baptised, he's just been announced the Son of God with whom I am well pleased, and he's got things he should be off doing, but he's gone off into the wilderness. What's going on? And he doesn't come here by mistake, because we read that, don't we? It says, Jesus led by the Spirit into the wilderness. I mean, this place is nothing here. It's just empty. There's nobody about. It's quiet. I can't hear anything. There's nothing to eat. There's nothing. Well, there's a stone. A few stones lying around, but nothing else. So what's Jesus doing here? But the funny thing is, this wilderness. You remember John the Baptist. He was In the wilderness as well, before he started baptising people. So maybe there's something we should see if we could find out. Let's have a little look at the text. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. Oh, okay, so Jesus has been led here by the Spirit so the devil can test him and tempt him. We're going to look at that a bit later, but I think there's another really important reason that Jesus is in this desolate, this Ermas, this desolate place. And we'll see if we can find that out as we read a little bit further on. So after fasting for 40 days and 40 nights, so Jesus is fasting, for 40 days and 40 nights he was hungry. He would be hungry, wouldn't he? 40 days without food. And then the tempter, that's the devil, came to him and said to him, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Aha. So the stones, the devil says to Jesus, You could turn these stones into bread. Could Jesus turn the stone into bread? Well, we do know, don't we? In John's Gospel, the first miracle Jesus does is to go to a wedding And he turns the water into wine. So could he turn the stones into bread? I reckon he could, couldn't he? So there we go. So the devil says, Jesus, if you're hungry, turn the stones into bread. So what does Jesus do? Shall we see? Oh, it says, Jesus answered, this is verse 4, Jesus answered, it is written... People do not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. So Jesus doesn't turn the stones into bread. He quotes a really old bit of the Bible. Back in the book of Deuteronomy, near the beginning, he quotes a piece of the text that was when the Israelites, the whole Israelite family, the whole Israelite nation, were in the wilderness. Wilderness. They were in this nothingness, in this desolate place. And there God provides for them, but God says to them, You do not live on bread alone, but by every word that comes from my mouth. Oh, so that makes sense then. So, So maybe Jesus is here to hear God's word. That makes sense, wouldn't it, to hear the word that comes from the mouth of God. Now, there's another clue in this that Matthew's written for us. Because where he uses the word in Greek and originally, he uses a specific word about the spoken word of God. We often talk about the word of God in terms of our Bibles, the written word of God. This is crucial to us. But a Greek word for that would be logos, written word of God. But Matthew uses the word haremah, which means spoken word of God. So Jesus has come into this desolate, empty, quiet place to hear from his Father. That makes sense, doesn't it? Because if Jesus is going to do what God wants him to do, and that's what he says all along, I do what my Father tells me. He has to go and listen to the start of his ministry isn't out there doing It's here listening. What can we hear? Because for all of us, if we're going to follow Jesus, we need to hear God's voice. We need to know what God wants us to do so we can do it. And that's why Jesus, throughout his ministry, goes off. Time and time again, the disciples are busy, they want to get going, and Jesus isn't here. Where's he gone? He's out in the wilderness, he's in the garden, he's gone off early this morning, I don't know where he is. Because Jesus goes to these places to listen to God. And if Jesus needs to do that for his ministry, then we need to do that too. Just like John the Baptist did, John the Baptist sets that example for us as well. He goes off into the wilderness and then he comes back and starts the ministry that God's called him to. So when we think about following Jesus, this place, wherever that looks like in our lives, a quiet place in our house or in our garden, we need to find those quiet places to hear God's voice. So that's our challenge. So it seems like there's nothing here, but I think we should just spend a bit of time just listening to see what we can hear. So let's do that. Whoa, back in, almost warmed up. At last. Of course, so it's cold out there in the in the in the wilderness. We've been out there in the in the Aramas to see, you know, as where Jesus went to. We we've had this moment, haven't we, where Jesus has been baptized. Father God says, "You are my beloved son." On our expectations for him to set off into ministry suddenly seen that we we find jesus is called by the spirit and and goes off into the wilderness into this aramas and as we've seen that the, the, there's two two aspects to that the one's we've really looked at that aramas is that place that place looking for silence to be there to hear his father jesus is here to do his father's will and he therefore wants to go and to to hear that voice of God so he's in that aramas he's in that that place of wilderness to hear his voice and of course then we see the devil come in uh, and as we've read the the devil comes in and he says if you're the son of God tell these stones to become bread and Jesus Jesus is hungry but actually he's not there to eat bread he, he then says he says it is written people do not live. On bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. So Jesus has, has turned back onto the devil and he's saying these words from Deuteronomy, from the time when the Israelites were in, in that wilderness themselves. And Jesus says, no, I've come and I will survive on hearing the word of God. So we see so we've sort of talked about that but, but there's this other thing going on and there's the devil who's testing him it's a place of testing it takes is Jesus was led by the spirit in the wilderness to be tempted or be, to, to be tested. So we see that so, so, so what's going on? I think there's three things that we we really want to pick out of that as we look at the last of this passage. So the first challenge the devil makes to Jesus is that of provision. He says to Jesus, he knows Jesus is hungry, he's stuck in this. And he says to Jesus, "Well, if you're hungry, you can turn these stones into bread. Jesus can turn the stones into bread, but Jesus doesn't take that temptation. He turns it back and he says, no, the word of God, man, will live on the the word of God. Every word that comes from the mouth of God. So the devil challenges on provision. He says to Jesus, well, you can provide, you're hungry, you can provide. Now, in that place of wilderness, in that place of testing, that is true. We will be in need of things. We will be feeling that we need provision of different sorts. And it's very easy for the devil to come and to offer us those, the wrong sources of them. So, you know, at this time, we are very much in a, Maybe in a wilderness place, we're in a place that we are are in that aromas. And whatever it is, whatever our provision is, whatever our need is, the devil will come in this testing time to offer something in its place. For whatever it is, in this case he's talking about food, but it might be something else. It may just be boredom in a time when we're locked away at home or we're furloughed. We haven't got work. Maybe we're spending hours in front of computer, many more hours we never would have done. The devil will offer to fill; he will offer to give provision that will fill up our boredom. He'll offer to drive us into obsessive use of computer, of the news, or whatever it might be, to eat, to relieve our boredom, to help us in whatever. And that's what you know Jesus is standing up against here. The devil is coming and to challenge and to test and provision. So that's the first one. But We carry on. The devil carries on, doesn't he? So then he says, the devil took him. So verse five, he says, the devil took him to the holy city and set him upon the highest point of the temple. If you are the son of God, he said, throw yourself down. For is it is written? He will command his angels concerning you, and they will lift you up in their hands, so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. So the devil is now challenging himself. Actually, is God going to protect you? The scriptures say, and it's a scary thing actually, that Satan here quotes scripture to Jesus. But what Jesus says in response to that is, He says, It is written. Do not put the Lord to God to the test. So the devil has come and said, are you really going to be protected? And Jesus says, I'm not going to test God on that protection. I believe in what I'm protecting. And of course, we're all at risk. We're all in, in some degree of, of hazard at this moment. where so actually many of us will be quite fearful of different things. Whether it be illness, whether it be our work, whether it be loss of family members, whether it be death or long-term illness, those things are fearful of us. And we might challenge and think, actually, will God protect us? And I don't mean that in a way that you know God will protect us and we won't get the virus. Actually, I mean that in a way that, that God will ultimately protect us. The promise that God has made to us is true. And that's what Satan is challenging here. Satan is challenging that protection. And says, do you really believe that God will stop you from striking your foot? So that's the second. So he challenges some provision. He challenges some protection. And then the third, it carries on, doesn't it? And again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. All this I will give you, he said, if you will bow down. And worship me Jesus says to me away oh, from me Satan for it is written worship the Lord your God and serve him only then the devil left him and the angels attended him so we see this third temptation this third test on Jesus from the devil is that of power of prestige. He says, Actually, I will give you these kingdoms. He shows them the earth and says, You can have them if you worship me. Now, it's a challenge. We look at it and think, Well, is it the devil's to give the world? Well, that's a bigger topic than we can discuss here, but the, the devil is called the ruler of this world, he's called the prince of this world. Yeah. There's something here. He has authority to say, well, if you worship me, then these can be, be yours. And that's the third challenge he makes to Jesus in this testing time. He tests, is actually, if you want power, then I can give it to you. And Jesus chooses not that. And of course, we know this story carries on. We know what happens. Jesus does not choose the powerful root, the one the devil will have him choose. His route to saving the world is is not one of of power in human sense. We see him ultimately go to the cross. The very thing the devil doesn't want him to do because that is at that place where Satan himself becomes defeated. And that's what he desperately wants to avoid and then Jesus invites Jesus to worship him and offers him that world. So he challenges his provision, he challenges his protection and he challenges this position of power, prestige He says, do you want them? I can give them to you. So this place of testing that Jesus has been into and we see this happen. Jesus is coming to follow his father. He's come to hear his father's voice to do what his father wants him to do. And he finds himself in a place of testing, a place of trial, a place of temptation. If you follow Jesus for some time, you'll know that's the truth of it. As you step out on that journey with God, the devil will come and will test you. And it's difficult. It's absolutely difficult. It's not a nice place to be. But the truth is, it's the reality that we have to face. But the great thing is, and there's great hope in this, the very last line of it, it says, it says... Then the devil left him and angels came and attended him. And that's just such a... Actually, there are times we'll be tested and there will be times that the devil will leave you. And we have to keep pushing through to those. And as we meet those temptations, just like Peter did on the night Jesus was arrested, he denies Jesus three times. That was like an abject failure, but he doesn't. Jesus lifts him up. Jesus raises him up from that and says, "The devil will test you, but you are forever saved in my name." And so that's to me, our truth, our reality, as we face those trials and temptations, particularly in this time of, of wilderness, of aromas, of of, of difficulty, a desolate place that we live in the world is at the moment. It can be a struggle. But there's one thing that really struck me from this. But ultimately the most important thing that comes from this. And that is that Jesus comes out stronger. And that's the whole point. We come out of these places of testing stronger. It really, really struck me. And I was thinking about this passage. Actually, it was my home group that made me realise that as a home group, as a small community within this community of our church, this pandemic, this impact it's had, we haven't been able to meet physically, we have very rarely got together in any way whatsoever, but actually we've come become stronger. I've seen relationships formed that would never have formed without this period of testing. I've seen levels of prayer that would never have been reached without the challenges and the difficulties we're facing. So are we protected from it? No, but are we protected ultimately by God? Yes, as a community we are. And so we come out stronger, we come out with a sense of God presence with us as a community. But our presence with each other. Actually doing all we can to to exercise together ones and twos. Just to make sure that we're connected and supporting one another. So we will come out stronger. So what does to come out stronger for us look like in this time, this time of wilderness? I don't know what it looks like for you. I don't really know what it looks like for me, to be honest. But I do know I can do it. And as you look and you think of the failures and the challenges, as you shout at your children or you, you know, you just fall in different ways. Actually... It's about learning. It's about growing. It's about coming beyond that. And it's about Jesus picking us up and saying, you will be the rock. As Paul talks about, we are bombarded on every side. We are under pressure, but we are not defeated. And we will come out stronger. And as, what does that mean for us? What does it mean for your community? What does it mean for your family? What does it mean for your family to be a stronger family? Because we've been through this experience. And what does it mean for us as a family in terms of the Portswood Church? Yeah, it's been a challenge. We've been in testing times. Communication is hugely difficult in these places when we're not face-to-face. That's been a challenge for us. We've had to make changes because we're in a period of change. That's difficult sometimes. Some people have left. We've had to live with that. We've had to learn with that and grow with that. But ultimately our desire is to come out stronger. Our desire is to be a stronger community. And I see huge hope for that. I see amazing signs for that. The way we continue to gather. The numbers that are still gathering with us, even online. The way people are connecting with each other. The way people are involved in making these things happen. And journeying together with grace, with forgiveness, with a heart to follow Jesus. And it's from this place. It's from this place of Aramas, It's from this place of just, just nothingness, of desolation, that we can hear that haremah, we can hear that word of God. Because if we individually hear that word of God, we will be able to walk forward. We will be able to move into the ministries that God is calling us to, into the life that God's calling us to. And we will come out stronger. We will come out of this stronger.